0: Welcome back to another episode of the AMPS podcast. Owen and I are coming to you from our own isolation right now in our separate studios, but what you're hearing in the background is a recording I made in my garden for a project known as Ambient Isolation, which was created by AMPS member Al Circuit. The idea behind the project was to invite people who work in sound or record sound to submit recordings of their local environment during the lockdown. So for me, that meant placing my Sony PCM-D100 handheld recorder at the end of my garden. And what you can hear is a mixture of common garden birds, but also neighbours' children playing on their trampoline and a little bit of gardening sounds mixed in there as well.
1: So at the time of recording, we in the UK have been in lockdown for nearly two months now. And as a result, we've had to cancel quite a lot of content that we had planned for the podcast. It's kind of pulled the rug from under our feet in how we like to do things. But this ambient isolation project has been a real silver lining and something we've both contributed to and both really enjoyed working with. And so for this podcast, we'll be featuring some of the recordings that have been submitted from all around the world. And we've managed to speak to several of the other contributors, as well as having a good chat with the project's finder, Al Circuit. And so we began by asking Al what the genus of the project was.
2: I lost two jobs on the first day of the lockdown, literally, and I knew that I'd be at home with nothing to do and had already noticed the beautiful, peaceful environment. I am three miles away from Marble Arch, so pretty central. I look out of my loft window, I can see all of central London and Grenfell Tower in one direction and and the city and everything else. I can see the London eye from where I am and always been very aware of that city roar that comes with living here. So to suddenly have that silence and just to hear it drop off, and it literally was over a couple of days, it suddenly just collapsed and wanted something to do with my daughter. She's 10. She was going to be homeschooling for a while. She's Just about to go to senior school, so we thought we'd give her a smartphone for her to be able to understand a bit more about social media and websites and stuff like that. So we kind of sat down and worked out what we could do between us, really. I talked to my daughter about setting up a website and setting up a Twitter account. I want her to be very aware of how social media works and the pitfalls of it and stuff like that. So we looked at a lot of other websites to see how people approached expanding something. So we decided to use Twitter and I did make a few phone calls uh, and sent a few emails to individuals that I knew. Fortunately, a couple of Oscar winning recordists got involved and sent me some sounds, which is very nice. Um, But we've had all kinds of people join in. We did do a day of searching through the internet for sound artists and looking up them and seeing if they wanted to be involved. And we got a few people, one in Singapore, one in Flagstaff in Arizona. There was never a financial part to this. I made it very clear at the beginning this is not something I wanted to sell. I didn't want anybody to feel I was doing anything for my own personal gain. If lots of people got some great sounds out of it, then I thought that was an amazing thing. And we're now at 1,100, nearly 1,200 sounds, which is incredible.
0: Such an achievement. I love the fact that it didn't actually come from sound or your world directly, but it's about kind of introducing your daughter to the internet and the worldwide community. In some ways, that sort of positive start has had an effect on everyone who's been involved in the project because what I found talking to everyone that we've interviewed is that they're just really happy to connect and they're really keen to kind of keep talking as well. As We don't talk enough, really, as sound editors. It's not really part of the nature of the job. So that's, for me, it's become like a dream project in that sense.
2: Were there any particular highlights that really struck you? Um, it's not the silence I was after. Silence is great, but it's actually the bits in between the silence that are more interesting. And I think the stuff that Gillis and his students were sending from Amsterdam was incredible and some stuff from Jeremy in New York as well, mm. where there'd be silence for a minute and then you'd hear something and you your your brain immediately goes, oh, my God, that's two streets away, three streets away. There was one, a guy called Book, B-O-U-K, who sent tons of stuff, but he did one outside Anne Frank Museum. And we all know that place, or you can picture it in your mind. It's one of the biggest tourist attractions in Europe. And... There was nothing. There's a bit of city rumble. And then suddenly there's some noises off, like two streets away. It was those kind of things that brought home the project that I'd thought of at the beginning. That gives you, with sound, that sense of space, that sense of distance, that sense of isolation and desolation around the city streets. I think Will Cohen did some amazing stuff as well with his recordings around London. My friend, i got a friend called Anthony, who's a key worker in the city, talked to my friends about this project, and he went, oh, my God, it's really weird, I'm driving into the city and it's just weird and deserted. So I immediately went round and dropped my H4N off and gave it to him. And I went, just go mad. And he did the same. He did this recording of Liverpool Street Station, which I, I know very well. And it's always gridlock, shouting, noise and all that. And the first two minutes of it was just an interior, big space hum. And then there's an announcement. And it's the announcement that makes you go, oh, my God, it's there's nothing. There's nobody there and there's one person, you hear one person's footsteps. And it's those moments, I think, sold it to me. I think, did you interview Zita? Yes, Zita and Benta joined Yillis. Yeah, they'd done the same recordings. And again, they did some incredible stuff, some really nice ambisonic stuff. And again, they've got the church bells. The way they they described it, it was like listening for those loud noises within the silence Mm. is what brings it home. There was one, I th- it might have been jealous. The bells are just, there must be 500 flat surfaces around with these weird reflections of these church bells. And it's incredible. As a record of something I think it's quite amazing I have a lot of friends who do art installations in various forms and I think somewhere along the line there is something with these sounds that can be done I think we need a bit of space between what's going on and the new normal as it will be for us to be able to look back and and think about what happened and I think this is a, a little package and that at the beginning was part of what we might me and my daughter discussed was that this is something that we need to remember. There is something about the ambience that is quite strange, yeah. and we we should remember that. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm going to come back to this a year from now, and it's going to sort of feel like my audio happy place I think mm, I will come back and I don't know if it's a year or it's two years time but I mm. will be asking them again to record even if it's just one recording then Can we talk about the Dawn project because that was you and Raoul is that right Raoul Brand Yeah I, I, I put a call out on the very early people who were doing it and just said if anyone's got any side projects that we can expand on then please come at me I'm, I'm quite happy to sort of get involved with anything and, and Raoul said well how about we all record the Dawns all at the same time it just happened that the following week was International Dawn Chorus Day and I think we ended up with 67 recordings. We were lucky that Raúl's partner is a beautiful speaking voice and he's a voiceover artist. Her delivery was perfect. It was understated enough that it didn't get in the way but it, it led you through the whole, the whole piece and that was great, that was amazing. I think that's something we'll definitely do again.
3: Cuyahoga Valley National Park. USA.
0: You mentioned that you enjoyed Dan Rowe's Clap for Kira's audio on the, the Dorset Coast. So
2: just wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and why you enjoyed that sound in particular. It was finding the unusual. Dan's a friend of mine. He's not a sound person. He runs a drone camera company, which means he has microphones around if you see the picture on the website it's just a little road thing that he had attached to his iphone so it's good quality i'd spoken to him the week before and we were talking about noises and he'd seen the website and everything and he said oh down here it's incredible it's the uh, all the boats in the harbor at eight o'clock all toot their horns So yeah, I just thought that was extraordinary. That was something which was unique, I don't suppose we'll ever hear again. And again, I think the same with the, the stuff in Amsterdam. It's so strangely bizarre and unique mm. that it really stands out amongst the other recordings. There was one uh, last week, Ingrid Simon, who is in, uh, I think it's in Saint-Gilles in, in Belgium, near Brussels. And it's a perfect little library and there's a few people who have done it there's Javier in Mexico City Will's stuff from London uh, and a few others as well the, the Amsterdam all the Amsterdam stuff but this little library from Ingrid in, in Belgium and it was this perfect little kind of capture of, of a couple of days there's someone playing saxophone and it, it is a, a road and a half away and there is some people down the street having a conversation I'm not sure where I was starting with it or what I expected. It could have gone in a number of different directions. And it's stuff like that that really made the project into something else. The city recordings, the the stuff from Jeremy in New York and people in Canada. And when I got one from a big city, I was always more excited about that. There was an early one from Dublin o'connell street which i think is the main drag and there's just a couple of kids on a bike in a distance and they go past and it drifts off and you just think that's impossible at any time of day whether it's midday or midnight you're never going to have it that quiet Me and uh, me and my daughter went out the other day, we've been cycling around quite a lot, and we, we cycled down the middle of the road, the whole of Regent Street, and all we saw was one bus and two police officers. Wow. And we, we've started recording a Monopoly set of sounds, so we we're going to go to all the places on the Monopoly board and record nice. <laughs> something for each one. We're not quite sure how we're going to do the prison yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> we're not too far from Wormwood Scrubs prison so I might just stand out the front but even that's probably going to raise a few eyebrows and get me arrested but we'll see how goes. That
0: <laughs> well that's brilliant uh, another great idea obviously just yeah overflowing with great ideas for all this free time
2: I look back on it now and I think yeah I could there was I'm sure there was a way of making money out of this because I've had absolutely no work in the meantime but I think it was a much nicer thing to do as a, a community thing and a lot of people have sent me very nice emails saying Thank you. It's a lovely project. It's great to be involved. It's made me think about stuff and it's made me get my microphones out. And I'm in a fortunate position. The pandemic hasn't affected me apart from work. It hasn't affected me too much. I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Everybody seems to be coping. Okay. There's obviously a lot of people out there. It's hitting a lot harder than us. So if if we've helped a couple of people and the community side of it has helped people, then fantastic. I'm really pleased.
1: So we'd just like to thank Al Circuit again for his time and his insight into what has been a really enjoyable and truly global project, as it turned out. And you'll have heard us talk about the Dawn Project, which was a side shoot of ambient isolation and ended up being a 30-minute piece composed of recordings from all around the world where Al and Raoul Brand invited people to record the sound of the dawn chorus between 5am and 7am their local time. And the recording that you're listening to now in the background is one that I made a short walk from my house in a small patch of woodland in suburban Bristol. And I made that recording using the Sennheiser Ambio smart headset that was simply plugged into my iPhone. And I'm actually really pleased with the end result. And I was delighted when they included my recording in the final piece, which you can listen to on the website.
0: Next up, we're going to hear from a number of contributors to the Ambient Isolation project based all around the world, starting with AMPS member Anna Burtmark, who would normally be working as a supervising sound editor, sound designer, and sound effects editor for film and television.
3: Hello, my name is Anna Burtmark. I'm based in Brighton. I'm a sound effects editor and a sound designer, SoundSoup. And um, it was really exciting to contribute to the Ambient Isolation project because uh, although I'm on kind of I'm on the seafront uh, I can see the sea I'm about a five minute walk from the the sea in Brighton and we've got quite tall buildings here and they're all the seagulls which we hear a lot of I mean there's a lot of gull herring gulls and um, some other birds I'm not a bird expert but <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of noticing them in springtime in the mornings for sure yeah. uh, but obviously now with uh, with such a lack of traffic yeah, there are a few you know obviously cars passing by here and there but it's just this the background hum I mean I'm sure it's something that everyone is gonna report similar findings on but the background traffic hum is kind of gone the mm. planes are gone what kind of struck me the most was how loud these birds are and I think have fought have had to become over time <laughs> um, mm. in the last 50 years I think I know that's something that a lot of people have been reporting, I think, well, why that? It's like, wow, they really had to fight with all our, our, our traffic, human traffic here too to really get heard by each other. Yeah, right. um, so I think that's what I'm struck by. It's like, wow, they are really loud. And also it's really nice because I've got quite, I'm on our fourth floor here. We've got some old kind of Regency uh, kind of four five-story buildings and they get the, all these kind of goals and things. That they kind of slap, we've got that slap verb. Yeah. Um, so you can hear them from, from miles, it's, it's quite nice. I think that's something you can hear in my recording as well.
1: What time of the day was that made at?
3: 6.30 in the morning.
1: Okay, and had you gone out at different times during the day?
3: Yeah, I recorded some in midday and also at like 8.30 in the evening. Okay, yeah. As well, yeah.
1: Was yeah. there a noticeable difference in the two? Obviously um, less birds I imagine, but...
3: S- slightly less birds, yeah, but I mean it. the gulls are, are active throughout the day, mm, yeah. um, and obviously for more human activity. D- lots of DIY uh, <laughs> yeah. <in the> days, <laughs> power tools in the
1: distance. Yeah, oh
3: yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a project now, so I've
1: heard a lot of that yeah. definitely. And so, what was the recording setup that you you, you were recording at home? Were you essentially yeah yeah o- on at the at building window. at the window? Yeah. Okay, and what were you? Rec- what was your setup?
3: Um, I've got my Zoom H6. Just a stereo with one of those little stereo um, attachments. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I use for lots of things. Brilliant. It's great.
1: Do you need any kind of wind protection on that, or was it?
3: Um. Yeah, I just, I mean, I got that little Zoom phone that it comes with, so, Yeah. and that was kind of it. I just placed that, Open the window and just placed that on the, the, the windowsill. Brilliant. Pretty basic, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: all right, well, we'll play that now. thanks for that you're welcome one of the big downsides to the global pandemic is us having to postpone our trip to see you in brighton yeah which listeners of the podcast won't know we were about to do at the end of march weren't we
3: yes
1: owen and i had arranged to come and see you and plans to record on the beach and all kinds of things potentially bring a neumann head maybe (laughs) drop a mic in the sea (laughs)
3: Um, i was so really looking forward to that but we'll have to um it will happen i'm sure it will yeah let's let's hope
1: maybe late at the end of the summer or something if we're lucky definitely um, it's going to be great when we when we get round to it so um
3: yeah
1: yeah hope to see you then
3: see you then Owen. thank you so much thanks for your time anna
4: My name is Jeremy Bloom, and I'm a sound designer based in Brooklyn, New York. And my work spans across a few different uh, mediums or industries. I work um, on a lot of podcasts. I'm on staff at WNYC. It's New York Public Radio, so it's kind of like the equivalent of BBC uh, in America. And we produce a lot of podcasts, um, and so I work on those. And then outside of that, uh, I do a lot of sound design for documentary film and also immersive museum exhibits.
0: Great. Really interesting range of stuff. So how has your working world changed in light of the lockdown and the pandemic and um, being in isolation?
4: Uh, so I'm super lucky in that I have a little home studio. And so the kind of day-to-day nature of my work hasn't changed a ton in terms of just sort of like going to the studio for me is, you know, walking out my bedroom and into my little room here. But that said, like one of the things that really draws me to this line of work the most is the collaborative element of it. And so the sort of sudden inability to collaborate with people in person, I think, does impact our work in a really significant way that I I find a little bit frustrating. I think it's really hard to collaborate remotely. I like hanging out with my clients. I like cooking for my clients. I like um, that sort of element of hospitality is something I really enjoy. Um, and miss.
0: So just talking about the ambient isolation project, what did you choose to use to record your sounds?
4: I like to keep things simple. One of the perks of my podcast job at WNYC is I have access to a whole wide range of mics and recorders and like everything from vintage ribbon mics from the 1930s up to, you know, the best Neumann and Sheps mics that are available today. But that said, I really like riding my bike and I really like staying mobile. So I have a Sony pcm d100 and i find that 90 percent of the time that's what i'm grabbing unless i'm doing something really elaborate yeah
0: very much the same actually that's my go-to recorder because handheld convenience just can't be beaten
4: totally the thing is i i have like a little pistol grip for it and i always lose it and i lost it again and it's like the <laughs> third i've been through and it's just driving me totally crazy so and i i don't <laughs> have a very steady hand so i try to keep this quiet as possible okay that's
0: tough so in this case for the ambient isolation where where did you choose to record where did you choose to point your microphone
4: it's funny because the pandemic sort of came alongside a personal project that i've been working on for about a year i'm a native new yorker and only recently in my life i've come to understand that new york is really a, a waterfront city like there are the five boroughs in new york city But there's also New York Harbor, and that really is a sixth borough, and there's all sorts of exciting things happening on the harbor that we take for granted. So for the last year or so, I've been focusing on recording the harbor and going to all sorts of interesting waterways around New York and capturing that. And so I've kind of used this as an opportunity to access some sounds around the harbor. The the challenge of recording at the harbor is there's tons of helicopter traffic, tons of boat traffic. The flight paths to all the New York City airports are generally over water, and so it can be really tough to get good recordings. And so I've continued to focus on on the harbor mostly, but using this as an opportunity to get some way more um, specific and focused sounds without those distracting elements that sort of frustrated
0: me before. So has it really changed, I imagine, quite dramatically as a soundscape?
4: Very, very dramatically. And I've noticed everything, you know, the most basic example of that is definitely the helicopter traffic and the air traffic. But beyond that, there are all sorts of other things I've noticed, like um, in Coney Island, which is the kind of amusement park district, I guess you could say, of Brooklyn. There's a huge population of seagulls there that love to kind of like feast off of the leftovers of all the fast food that people are eating in the amusement parks. And I just rode my bike there the other day And the seagulls are, they're starving, I think, and they're acting crazy um, and making all sorts of crazy noises that I've never heard seagulls make before. And even if I had, wouldn't have been able to capture because there's always other stuff going on. So I was able to record that. (laughs) Similarly over there, There's a weird thing that's happening where there's a large population in New York City that's kind of ignoring the quarantine and seeking outdoor recreation to one degree or another. And so as a result of that, on a nice day on the Coney Island boardwalk, there are huge crowds, but none of the rides are running. So you get a kind of natural, I guess you could say like a natural ambient isolation where you get all these crowd sounds without the um, the jingles of the merry-go-rounds and the roller coasters and all that happening at the same time, which is really unique. I'm sure in my, in my lifetime that has never, ever happened.
0: Yeah, so dramatic. So many sounds like that. Like you say, it's just once-in-a-lifetime experience.
4: One example of a location on the harbour that I've been fascinated with for for years, really, is there's a place called Dead Horse Bay, and it's right under the flight path of JFK Airport. It's like when you're there on a typical day... There's a plane flying a thousand feet above you every two minutes, maybe, and it's impossible to record there. But it's a really unique place because in the late 1800s, it was a landfill. As a result of that and some sort of like erosion that's been happening recently, I guess. There's all this sea glass and like the whole beach is just covered in these vintage medicine models and vintage um, glassware. So as a result, the surf sounds really unique because as the surf comes in and out, it's kind of like jangling all this vintage glass. But I, I've never been able to record it before because of the air traffic. So um, that's one example of something I've been able to record recently that I'm really excited about. Uh, and you can hear it here.
0: Amazing. Thank you very much.
5: Hi, My name is uh, Yilis and I'm located uh, just on the outskirts of uh, Amsterdam in a small village. Um, It's it's approximately 10 minutes from Amsterdam Uh, and normally I'm connected to the sound design department of the Netherlands Film Academy in Amsterdam and my main focus in my work is sound recording. That has been uh, Going on for a few years in my life, uh, previously I was a sound recordist for documentary and uh, for film.
6: I'm Zita. I'm in Amsterdam right now, the city centre, really close to the film academy as well. So every day I, I, we're still allowed to go outside, so I cycle past the closed academy and I see all the, the closed buildings. And normally right now I would be mixing two graduation films, but they've all been postponed because of the closing of the school. So I'm at home working on my own projects, and I'm in luck because I have a lot of equipment from school, uh, so I can record a lot of things if I want to. So that's really nice.
7: My name is Bente. I'm living in the city center of Amsterdam, and I'm sound designing my graduation film, which I was almost sound looking, and now I am um, continue working on the sound design. So that's really great. I'm with uh, three or four. Uh, other students in the academy so I feel lucky to uh, working on my graduation film and uh, that's really great.
5: Yeah at the start of the lockdown in the Netherlands it wasn't like the lockdown in France or in Germany it was really different because it went gradually and we are still allowed to go out and everything but you know I was really interested in the first week what will this do to my personal surroundings Uh, because I Tend to record a lot uh, normally, specifically in um, coincidence stereo technique or ambisonic, a format. And I was really like, okay, what will this do f- to to you know the the world in sound? You know, the students are in the city. I'm close to the city, but the world in sound so cluttered up with air traffic, with the hum coming from the city, and then this village is really stuck between the highway and the train track. And this train track is, in the recordings I made, noticeably, like I could hear more perspective in the sound because everything just went quiet, like the highway was really uh, silent for a few weeks, almost silent. And when there was a car, you could hear the detail of the car. And that was something that I never heard on this location anyway uh, before. Was
0: that the same for you, Zita? Bente, did you really notice a difference in the background ambience of the city?
7: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I bike every day uh, near the dam. It's the most crowded place in Amsterdam. I don't like the place that much. But now, since the lockdown, it's so so quiet there, and you can hear uh, conversations on the background, and and you can also hear the reflections really really clear in the background and that's really special because normally you don't hear that so clear and it's wonderful.
6: Yeah. And also because the the traffic seems to be kind of going on how it's always been, like the trams keep passing by and the traffic lights keep ticking, but you don't hear uh, so many people or so much traffic hum. So at some point we were getting a bit crazy from all the traffic light ticking, like, just kept going on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah,
0: so am I right in saying that you all chose to record with ambisonic mics?
6: Yes. Yeah.
5: So yeah, the um as I said, I live in a small village and I just uh, put up an A format first order ambisonic microphone beside my house. So I have a little shed built at the side of my house and I would stick a, a tripod with a microphone up in the air and then start recording. And and most of the the material I sent to uh to the uh, sound library uh, was recorded from that same location only at different times and uh, just to compare you know the the difference between the first week of the lockdown and uh, the last week or the week before the lockdown and and uh, uh, and, and in the middle is is, uh, is a huge difference and it's interesting because sometimes i was listening to the uh, to my recordings and then i figured oh wow so this could really be just a natural sounding environment. But then at times I thought, what is this? What is this sound source? Where is it coming from? And I never heard it before um, at my location. And, and I thought if I close my eyes and I listen to this sound, it might as well be an ina- unnatural silence, you know? Like you could use that in film for um, like a subjective standpoint like being in somebody's head and it, it, it sounded almost more abstract than uh, it sounded like a natural uh, world to me. And it had to do with certain things happening in time. So, for instance, a distant freight train coming and the ventilation system of, of the neighbors going berserk. And you hear the recording slowly changing from natural elements to something that is more like almost unnatural.
7: Sita and I biked a lot around in Amsterdam and the time flew by and we we talked and it was like 11 o'clock in the evening and we've chosen by our ears a good square of the church with great reflections and by listening to it we were like wow it's so so clear with the reflections and you can hear the bells fade out it's so quiet in town so yeah
6: yeah i think what we were looking for was sounds that really stand out so that are quite loud and normally they kind of when they fade out you don't really hear them anymore because they get overtaken by this hum of traffic and stuff like that and now you can hear this like train passing over uh, and then you can hear it die out entirely just like the church bells and how they uh, reflect in the whole area around it that's was really cool to find and also because the dynamic the difference in dynamic is so big you can hear this really loud sound and the background is just very very soft so i think that with a lot of sound we try to capture that
8: My name's Will Cohen. I'm a sound designer and currently living in Milton Keynes. I part run a company called String and Tins that is based in London. Day to day I work on mainly short form stuff.
0: So in taking part of the
8: ambient isolation project,
0: Mm. how did you choose to record? What equipment did you choose to use?
8: Well, I'm quite keen on binaural recording and I've sort of used the Neumann head a bit and I've got uh, some DPA 4060s that I've sort of taped to things and stuck into my glasses and all that kind of thing but recently we bought the new DPA4560 binaural headset which is basically two 4060s in a sort of hairband thing and they hook onto your ears and, and they're just like a really handy little setup and I really like recording from my own perspective rather than a dummy head I think it's quite a nice thing to be able to say to someone this this was my actual perspective yeah, sure. So yeah, I I really like those DPA mics. I've used them on all sorts of stuff from car engines to like instruments. They're they're brilliant. They're really transparent. And being omnis, they're like they're supernatural, whatever you put them on. I used to have a sennheiser MKH 6030 midside pair, and I yeah. really loved it. Um, but it was such a bulky old uh Ryko, and then I sort of downsized to a Sherps um 41 eight mid-side combos so i could basically fit it in my rucksack it's like a tiny thing like that and Hmm. and i didn't really appreciate what it was about sherps that i like until i got them and then i was the warmth and the quality of the top end and the way the off-axis sounds so good. This is a one of the eight Sennheiser eight thousands I'm recording on now, and you, it really doesn't feel great off mic. Yeah, sure. Even though they're meant to be pretty good, something about the Sherp's design is is awesome.
0: The next thing I was wondering is just where where you chose to record. What was um, did you set out with an aim to go somewhere specific?
8: Like I mentioned, I kind of did this as a project before I found out about ambient isolation. I, I wanted to record various spots around London that meant something to me, but also I wanted to cover off a couple more kind of political locations so i covered off the bank of england and parliament square i recorded about 20 locations and in a couple of days around the time of uh, the lockdown mm. and then i went back a month later uh, in the middle of april and redid the same shortlisted locations again okay and they're noticeably quieter in some ways they're they're more boring i suppose but you can really hear the detail more it's interesting how that sort of lull in traffic allows you to pick up you know a leaf scuttling along the ground where you know normally this is just off uh, from waterloo i'm looking at the london eye there's this recording i did in the middle of april where you know it's become so quiet you can hear this leaf scuttling along the ground and there's you know the depth of the scene is 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 kind of cool amazing yeah especially in
0: london it would normally be so busy with noise and energy and distraction Mm. that must be a really nice change
8: experience i think so i actually i found the whole process to be um quite meditative and sort of reflective i don't get to record enough ambiences anyway but you know doing it at this time especially wearing this binaural headset you basically have to stay dead still breathe shallow you know you can even hear your gulping so it's it it was quite an interesting time to really listen so then picking one of those sounds
0: that we will play a sample of into the podcast Mm. could you set the scene for us
8: yeah so it's probably my favorite one is a recording i did on hungerford footbridge in the middle of march it's a bridge that runs alongside of a railway bridge that goes into charing cross train station and it goes from the south bank centre near waterloo station to the north embankment and it's a footbridge that i've walked over countless times because i used to get the train to waterloo and then walk up to soho to work so it's it sort of i always used to skateboard on south bank when i was a kid so you kind of, i've been there a lot uh and it's sort of it's got a really lovely view but it's it's cool because the footbridge literally is, it's almost like the same bridge. The footbridge and the train bridge are sort of like right next to each other. Uh, they could almost be one bridge. And the perspective is me kind of at an angle looking out across the river with the train kind of coming behind me. And it's close enough to Charing Cross Station that the trains are kind of slowing down as they come past and kind of travel behind the head. And And there's some really nice sort of reverberations as the train sound bounces under the bridge and yeah it's it's cool it's a nice spot
9: I'm Jack Lowe, creator of the Lifeboat Station Project. I'm a photographer, sound recordist, and I make small videos as well to tell the story of my eight-year journey to every single r and Lifeboat Station on the UK and Irish coast.
0: So I'm guessing with the lockdown that your day-to-day life has changed quite a bit, and the restriction with travel especially.
9: It really has, and I could feel it coming, you know, I was about 10 days into my journey on my last, on the last leg of my journey on the South Devon coast, mm. because the lockdown hadn't arrived by that stage. And then suddenly the Prime Minister made his uh, speech about social distancing and that changed everything.
0: Yeah, shame. Is this an amazing project from the sands. Did you always imagine it being so um, grand in scale or did it just start with
9: one and then grow? The The idea was always there to photograph every single lifeboat station. But the thing that now seems laughable in hindsight is that I thought it would take three to five years. And I've been going for just over five years now, and I've still got 88 to go. So that's another three years worth of work. So in the meantime, I've been working through my sound archive because I've made sound recordings over the years um, and publishing those podcasts and soundscapes on my SoundCloud and on my Patreon page. And so, yes, it's it's all kept me busy during these few weeks. Brilliant.
0: So is it always an audiovisual project? Did you always have it in mind to be sound and pictures or did that sort of develop as well as it went on?
9: No, at the start, it was certainly photography based. But then as the months went on, I then was hearing these beautiful ambient sounds, you know, the sounds of the sea. And I realised that I was bumping into people who had stories to tell. And I soon felt that photography wasn't enough to tell the story and then, when I was thinking about making sound recordings, I realized then that actually I have had a, an interest in sound recordings for a long time. But it's the first time that I seriously thought about bringing it into my project. I'm no expert, by the way. You know, I'm just kind of feeling my way in the dark a little bit. But I just love it. I absolutely adore it. As much as photography, you know, I, I see it all as picture making. You know, you, you don't have to make photographs to make pictures. You know, a sound recording makes such strong pictures in the mind that are almost stronger than looking at a good photograph.
0: Yeah. No, great way to describe it. So in terms of the ambient isolation and getting involved with that and submitting a sound, what did you actually use to record your sound?
9: So it's once I stumbled across ambient isolation on Twitter, and that coincided at exactly the peak of my excitement with my deeper research into sound. And I'd just bought a a new sound devices, MixPre 3, and two DPA 6060 mics. Um, So that was the setup that I was using at the time um, to make those recordings that I've been submitting, and I'm still submitting recordings. I'm still making recordings now to submit to them to have, to build up in their library of of ambient isolation recordings.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's become like a new um, project for you, really, in lockdown, uh, exploring that new kit and new ways to record.
9: That's right. Yes, with with the ultimate view of enhancing my skills when I go back on the road with the project. Um, and, you know, there have been some recordings. That, you know, one in particular that seems to really capture people's imaginations which is when I set up my mics in the garden here on a tripod that normally carries my 1905 glass plate camera that's now carrying a, a kind of cobbled stereo mount that I've made myself from bits from the garden and an old GoPro mount um, so I, I planted the tripod in the garden just before Clap for Carers started this is about uh, three weeks ago so it was in the moments before that Thursday evening Clap for Carers started uh and just hit record and left them there. And as it was unfolding, it just sounded absolutely perfect. I couldn't have timed it better or chosen a better clap for carers because everything about it was perfect. It started with a single clap and went through this crescendo, um, with hundreds of people all in in the neighborhood around here. You could hear them all building, and and the dogs as well, fireworks going off in the distance as well. And then it all just tailed off and then it just returns to people chatting in the street and, and it is five minutes exactly. As I've been saying on Twitter, you know, it's a, it's a ready-made symphony because I didn't have to do anything. I just let the recorder run and that was that.
0: We just want to take this chance to say thanks again to a brilliant group of contributors in this episode, all of our guests who were willing to take the time to talk to us and tell us more about their experiences through ambient isolation. And it's been really nice to connect with everyone that you've heard throughout this episode. So thank you again to Anna Mark in Brighton, Jeremy S. Bloom in New York, Yilis, Zita and Benter in Amsterdam, Will Cohen in London and Jack Lowe in Newcastle. But our biggest thanks go to Al Circuit and his daughter, for starting this whole endeavour and making it possible for us to connect.
1: Yeah, and if you want to find out more about Ambient Isolation, you can follow them on Twitter, at AmbientISO, and you can follow us on Twitter, at AmpsPodcast. You can also get in touch with us via email, AmpsPodcast at gmail.com. And if you work in sound or have an interest in a career in sound, AMPS membership is open to those working in sound for film, TV and games, as well as students who intend to make it their profession. So for more information about AMPS and how you can become a member, you can visit amps.net. Yeah, and we just hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. It's been a bit of a therapy in all honesty.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening.